my, my favorite artist is Nick Glannon, but my favorite wizard is Nep Sidhu. <laughs> Nep is able to do things that I, I honestly just capacity wise and the technical side of it is one thing, but just the, the breadth of the just kind of intersection of different just philosophies and disciplines is always just it's kind of mind boggling and it's expansive. It makes me feel just really, really deeply. You ride with Nep, the world's a different place, man. Fuck the game, but I'm in it. I don't really know what better to do. You know what I'm saying? I gotta get my portion. I gotta get my money. I gotta get my portion. I gotta get my money. Welcome back. The Fresh Off the Spaceship. I'm Larry Mizell Jr., DJ, writer, your host in this podcast. Throughout each episode, we've been diving into the story of the Black Constellation, the members, their work, and their stories. On the last episode, we spotlighted Eric Blood, the technical sorcerer of the Black Constellation, a sound sensualist, master craftsman in his own right. If you haven't listened back to that or any of the previous episodes, do clear some space out and check those out. They provide real valuable context into our next story. On this episode, we're shining a light on the incredibly talented Nep Sidhu, an interdisciplinary artist based out of Toronto whose practice includes sculpture, painting, textile, video work, metal fabrication, fashion design, and more, true to the constellation's core tenet of continuum, with an approach informed by his Sikh heritage and his deep passion for music. If I, if I allow one medium or practice to take up too much of my time I've given it too much power I've given it unnecessary power is maybe the better word Um, because there's so much else in life that calls for you you know to uh, to work with and to imagine you start seeing that it ends up resulting in in the potential of something and I, I think that that right there is the the distilled mechanism of uh, I would say my making is a constant presence of potential. Visually, none of the approaches that he's done have been devices. They have all been instruments of change. It's like architectural. It's poetic. The colors are like making my body like vibrate. He speaks in these codes. Whenever you talk to him, it's, it's very poetic. And I understand it completely. It's like he speaks to you, your mind and your heart at the same time. He's wild. Um, I love talking to him for that reason. Back in April, I went out to Detroit for the opening night of Paradox of Harmonics. NEP's first U.S. solo museum exhibition, currently on display at MOCAD, the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit, or at least it is at the time of this recording. The show closes on September 11, 2022, and features a sculptural, omnidirectional sound system that NEP crafted with Devin Ojaz and an omniverse rotary mixer made in collaboration with Phil Baljou, featuring never-before-heard remixes of Sun Ra by the late Detroit DJ, producer, Mike Huckabee, who passed away from COVID-19 back in 2020. His brother Craig Huckabee provided the never-before-heard reels and spoke at the opening alongside Nep 
and Cahil El-Zabar. Nep's family is from India, Punjab to be specific, and are Sikhs, like most of the Punjabi population. An understanding of Sikhism, or Sikhi, provides an understanding of how Nep moves through the world, how he honors and connects with community collaborators and teachers. One of the core tenets is that of Seva, which has been defined as selfless service, dedication to others, or as explained by YouTuber Nanak Nam. So the definition of Seva is somebody who serves this oneness. Somebody who goes looking for this oneness is doing seva. Siki also emphasizes the importance of inner listening as practice of collective meditation and remembrance, a practice that truly informs Nep's foundational connection to vibration. The show was conceptualized as a celebration of the creative legacy of Detroit sound, and it encapsulates his deep love of the city. Growing up near Toronto, just a four-hour drive away, he found the Motor City enticing, romantic, the site and inspiration of his latest exhibition. It had an impact on me to be able to imagine, you know, imagine a world, imagine a sound. Imagine an aesthetic, uh, imagine a feeling. In my head was this world, you know, where, where that made sense. And Detroit birthed that type of imagination for me. And so to, to grow up, to start to go towards Detroit and, and visit it and then see people really getting to it, especially from cats uh, that were selecting uh, records, it just made more and more sense, man. It, it was a lot of it was a lot of that, you know, to speak sort of, I guess, in um, from a larger picture into into what the sound was, what the sound represented, and like how it, you know, triggered all these like really imaginative ways to approach life. And I feel that Detroit also changed the musical landscape. It did not just turn the pages in the American songbook. It created chapters inside of that. And from that, multiple other sub-chapters. The music that came after that done the same thing. Started and pioneered, originated in Detroit. And then it took up names and styles and genres and subgenres everywhere in the world. So so those are all real patterns and they're they're very uh, distinct patterns. And to think of melody making and both percussive elements that work together to shape this type of writing that influences the world I don't think one can ignore the syncopation that comes from the factories where so many parents, grandparents, cousins, aunties, uncles all worked. And then later on, 
their children went on to do this, you know, to, to do that thing. So I always, I always saw this link between automation and manufacturing uh, sort of innovation in the melody making as well of, of folks from Detroit. Nep's love for an examination of Detroit truly runs deep. His close collaborator and fellow traveler, Rajni Pereira, sums it up. Detroit is a big deal. It's a big-ass deal for him. He started going there when he was quite young, you know, I think on his own. You know, he didn't really know people. He just loved the music and then he started making friends. And when it was time to put this together, you know, they're there. For th- when you're there for people, they're there for you. That shows up in Nup's work, especially as community-centric as it is. I think it has to be that way, but it really is that way as well with him. Honoring and exalting community is a common function of those who call the Constellation family. Like the community that Nep found through his love for the music at Detroit, Nep's response to the call he found in the first EP by Shabazz Palaces would help generate another field of collective energy. A Shabazz Palaces CD, CDR, no name and of what this is. But when I heard the voice, I, I, I knew, of course, so many, as so many did. was the next car gonna be dead. I had that black queen under my thumb looking at the dealer like the time finally come I had slid across all my, my chips and kissed my queen across her glossy lips when I seen the officer getting his pistol grip and I said fuck that shit man. this is it see they always gotta take me to life is vices hopes vices the cobos pistols and his dough and some more shit shit I can't even quote but I'm getting out the heat and telling them no Growing up in high school to Digable Planets, Ish was like, you know, in the category, what they'd say is a God MC. Knowledge, strength, wisdom, style, all of it, man. It puts so many people onto so many things. And just how imaginative it was. He ordered the albums over online the two first Shabazz joints. And like I said, it was 100% hands-on, so I fielded his email. I told him I would get it to him when I sent out the next orders. And he was like, hey, listen, man, I just want to let you know I'm an artist, you know, and I, I'm a multidisciplined artist. I do stuff, you know. I got some ideas. I want to make some clothing and stuff for you. So I was just like, you know, he was a cool cat. He purchased the records. We was talking cool back. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man, you know, mm-hmm. do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Listening to that, it brought back all those, like, the engaging ideas of, like, that fashion has and the, the play within it, you know, and the function within it. And, and above all, the attitude in it. It had nothing to do with wanting it to um, share it or present it. It was just about wanting to make it. 
you know, to see could it match it? Because uh, it was all the it was all there, you know, all the information and all the attitude was there. Moved by Shabazz's music, Nep took the cloth, catalyzing that inspiration and the grief he held after the passing of his mother. When they came, when they came out to Toronto, I had at that time when my mom having passed, I had worked on a tapestry that was sort of her return to nature. And as I'd find out later, Ish's mom, Barbara Jean, had also um, passed in a similar manner, sort of in his care. And he had seen her uh, go to her next place. And so I, I guess with, with that sort of weight and with that um, sadness, I, I made this sort of tapestry. You know, I was trying to deal with the moms having gone and, that was when we met. You came to the merch table and you said you had this tapestry um, for Shabazz. You know, at a merch table, you get hit with a lot of proposition, a lot of gas, a lot of dreams, you know. But your approach, your earnestness, your energy, you know, it was clear that you had an understanding of why we were all there that night uh, that was deep. And I mean, I've told you this many times. I thought you were a holy man of some sort because <laughs> just the humility, but also the, the important intention that I felt when you were talking about what you were presenting and why you were there. See, I'm just like you. Yeah, I know I'm a mess. Take a minute to think. Take an hour to dress. Got this pain in my neck. Came from staring at stars. I can't find the remote. Drink and drive in my car. Keep looking for love. Finding beautiful pain. Told myself I should stop, but I'm at it again. Trust in a design beyond their own would forge the connection between Ishmael and Nep. The next day, the band had a day off in Toronto, and Ish invited Nep over to hang. And he was like, what are you doing tomorrow? Why don't you come in the morning to the room and we could just like, you know, chill for a second. And he, you know, he was like, oh yeah. And, you know, bring that tapestry and we could take a look at it. And I was like, cool. That same day, at the same time, Nep's father was seeking spiritual counsel in his own grief. My pops was trying to see this Peruvian kind of medicine woman um, and healer. And he was still dealing with the weight of um, my mom not being here. And he wanted to just see a possibility, if, if, if it was possible to be able to see her and sh- see if she's okay, wherever she is. And their appointment was at 11 a.m. for the day that I'm about to go see Ish. Just on the side, if you keep that. So I go up to issue this tapestry, right? And um, and then we're just like chilling for a second. I go, oh man, yo, um, there was a track last night, you know, you came out to. It was like this uh, Ethiopian number, thunderous, you know, like before you came on, on onto the stage, it was playing. Is that like, was that something you made or was that some old? Like, what's. And he goes, oh man, nah. He's like, you gotta hear this. You gotta hear this track. He goes, hold up. So he goes, 
uh, into his setup, pulls out his laptop and like, starts putting the speakers up. So we're just on the edge of the bed, like looking at the speakers, you know, as he's setting them up. Because got to hear this track. Now, he hits play and it starts banging. It's like, woo! Keep in mind, my pop's appointment with this healer is like at uh, 11 a.m., meaning like they're they're going to be getting into their reading and emotion, the traveling like by 12. So. listening to this beautiful song and then knock, knock, knock. Someone at the door. Ish goes over and it's a lady. She's got, she's got like a white hijab piece on with like the hot, like the Sheraton hotel bib over top. And she's like, can I come in? It's like, you know, I shouldn't do this. And she's like, yeah. She comes in and she goes, so this uh, music, who, who sent you here to play this? Who sent you to play this music? No one plays this music. Not even Ethiopians play this music. Why are you, why are you playing this? And she goes, oh, well, it's just not. It's, um, you know, something that feels really special. And like, you know, I'm a musician and like, it kind of like, you know, holds weight and charges me. And she goes, you know, two of my brothers that are dead are singing on this. So I'm asking you to, who has sent you to here, to be here? You don't know? Ish goes, okay, hold on. And he goes, so this, song like I've asked um, or I've had it uh, translated and I want like what does it mean to you for you and she goes oh this this song and she's like she laughs and she goes no this song you you two will find out what it is but I I, I must go and just as she came she left man We're back to just being sitting here, man, in this Sheraton room, you know. And he's just like, man, ah, like, what, what do you want to do? I go, well, actually, man, I got this. I really want to, I, I want to make these clothes, my man, but like, I'm sorry, you know, I don't got nothing to show you. Like, just that unfolded sort of tapestry now is in the corner of the room that's he goes all right man like you know just all good man that's that's all we need like you just go for it i trust it 
You know, we'll figure it out. And the, from from that point on, man, it was Paradise Sportif, and it was just built off the attitude and just sh- surely off the call and response of the music. And uh, you know, sometimes people would speak on it like it's it's meant to be exclusive, or and I get it. Within you know, once you start uh, using the idea of exclusivity in fashion. There's also a luxury also attaches itself to it then. And I, I appreciate and understand all of those um, intentions or marketing strategies and stuff like that. But it's not why I was, it's not, it just wasn't why I was doing any of it. It was really to keep the uh, attention and the focus on moving slowly in response and growing that response and then experimenting off that response and seeing what other feelings came of it and then but listening at all times his own response would grow to be a key marker of the collective's membership nep's relationship with ish and the black constellation inspired the creation of the non-commercial clothing line paradise sportif designed to be the collective's armor and adornment you may have seen any number of items from t-shirts sporting esoteric symbology to stunning bespoke items like the exquisitely embroidered black constellation gang vest, the fur-collared leather knife cape, or the red basketball jersey with the gold rope collar and the Arabic word for free stitched on its front. In a nod to the Shabazz Palace song, Free Press and Curl, just to name a few. I cried with moochie poppies wake, snuck an extra slice of cake. When the pigs came round to make their case, I looked them dead up in their face. I never heard of none of that. Soon as I win, let's run it back. I run on feelings, fuck your facts. Deception is the truest act. With poise, I twirl the bluest slack. Dougie hold the ooh sacks. I danced and moved to play the back. I dip, she asked him, who was that? It was born out of that trust, you know, and out of my love for the brother, you know, in, in what he makes and being able to make something that makes him feel good, you know, in the world. It's not even if that he's on stage with it. It's just, you know, when he's walking, walking in a room or walking in airports, man, like on the way to getting it, you know, to make, make work that, that feels good in all those moments. Uh, that that's what's really important. I thought he had, was having some T-shirts or something, you know, with like SP on the front or something. Right. So when I went to get him, the cat had five like like garment bags full of like stuff, and I was like, man, what is this cat, right? So he starts pulling out the stuff, man, jackets and pants and crazy embroidery and leather work and different type of materials. I was like, man, who is this dude, man? So over the years, uh, it, it started to dawn on me more and more as the stuff I was seeing, he was making and producing sculpture, clothing, running a, um, a metal fashioning factory up, up in, up in uh, Canada and just like drawings and, and knit stuff and rugs. And I was just like, oh, okay. So, you know, he, he's just, yeah, that, that, that brotherhood, how we, he and I sort of started running with each other was was next level, you know what I mean? And that's really how we all came about. We all met each other through some other person that was already in the crew. And the vetting of it is kind of um, really easy, you know, because it's like how you vibe, how you roll, 
where your mind is at. We tend to let everybody, you know, do their thing and really have an open arms to people's personalities and stuff like that. And it's just like a family thing, you know? Paradise Sportif doing it with Ishmael. It was meant to be an experience of when you saw the brother play. And it wasn't really something that was up for uh, consuming by way of uh, purchasing it, but it was definitely up for consuming in the way of an offer, in the way of an offer of an experience, in the way of an offer that maybe makes other cats get to cut and get to, you know, shaping, get to thinking and forming ideas and aesthetics. To me, it felt it would have been interrupted if it was kind of put up to, for sale. The energy in the center of where it came from would have got interrupted because then I would have been answering all these other things and the energy of it kind of would have been a little unfocused. So by just keeping it on ish and the music, I think it falls in line of an attitude that's come before it. Instead of trying to get down by the landscape or complain of what's all not happening, like, oh man, fuck that. Like, you know, take some action to it and, and center the attitude on it and uh, share, man, with the brothers and sisters. Nep began collaborating with other members of the Constellation, like Nicholas Galanin. I am the light I am. The resulting visual and conceptual call and response between the two artists fashioned a new continuum between cultures constantly battling erasure and state-sanctioned violence, as seen in the installation titled No Pigs in Paradise, created as a response to missing and murdered women in Alaska, Canada, and India. I think about what first struck me when I first started to understand some of the work Nep was doing. You know, it was some of the No Pigs in Paradise work. It was some of the gowns and, and some things that I was fortunate enough to be brought into and collaborative space, but the closest understanding of that work that I could relate to from my perspective was that this was this was not a seasonal fashion. This was not a trend. This was this was ceremonial in our culture at U or regalia, things that have, you know, significant importance beyond those things. Even in the face of people regularly requesting access to it via exchange you know what i mean be it like monetary or you know what i mean otherwise like you know having some frame of reference for the commercial side of not just art but fashion that's the thing that's really really rare though like nep's uh adamance about the work staying embedded in ritual and embedded in you know kind of a sovereignty that is outside of capitalist model very like rare because i think you know a lot of people try to create exclusivity for the sake of making a thing desirable Hmm. You know, as opposed to it being like a uh, something that is truly embedded in the in the work. You know, I mean, it's very rare to find something that is that wasn't created for the sake of being for sale, no matter what people may say. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of people. Oh, this, you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't pay me enough for that. But like, authentically, Nep, there are things that Nep makes that he has no intention of them ever being in you know certain hands. As it's been mentioned. Nep's line of best fit connects him frequently back to vibration, to music. One example is his work as the art director of London-based label Spirit Muse Records, 
whose motto is Music for the Spirit. We spoke with founders Mark Gallagher and Thea Ioano. We believe that his vision and his outlook and his his art as an artist is just a different level, is a different league. And we just we are so blessed to have him as the art director of the label. He has a vision about its album that uh, has to do with the artist and the music. And this is why it's so important because then the the physical product, including the artwork, becomes a visual manifestation of the music and, and its message. Both the name and the tagline is music for the spirit. spirit. So the spirit, spiritual music, music with a message is something that, uh, you know, we care deeply about. NEP uh, cares deeply about, yeah. you know, and... I mean, so strong in all of his 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 art, this this spirit presence. So, this is why uh, <laughs> you know uh, we we're just so appreciative and so grateful uh, to, to this about journey, this relationship and yeah. to to be on this journey with him. One of the key artists that releases music via Spirit Muse, and in fact, the reason Nep started to steward the label's visual identity, is Chicago-based jazz multi-instrumentalist Kahil El Zabar. Cahill joined the storied Chicago collective AACM, or the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, back in 1971. He went on to found the Ethnic Heritage Ensemble. Along the way, he collaborated with artists such as Dizzy Gillespie, Stevie Wonder, and Nina Simone. Cahill and Nep met seven years ago when Nep and fellow BC member Mekoyo Ali Barnes attended one of Cahill's concerts in Toronto. Song and in my house Reach to the soul In my house Pray to the highest love. When Nep and I hooked up and you know see there was this you know younger person that was just simpatico in the same mind space in a universal soulful consciousness and um you know, that was very inspiring. Let me know I'm not out here alone. Mekoyo, he and I ended up staying up to about five in the morning, just, you know, talking about life on a lot of different levels and art and all that kind of stuff. He had made me these garments before he had ever met me. And so then he presented them to me. You know, he says there were certain people that he wanted to adorn with protection. We've been close ever since, you know, been in collaboration, dialogue, exchange, you know, whatever the energy is. And seeing him put put things on and then them like taking shape right in front of me is a different experience to the rest of the work I make, you know, sculpture being one thing or tapestries being one thing. There is a... Yeah, there's absolutely an invoking that kind of happens. Cahill ended up as a bit of a mentor and inspiration to them both. He and Makoyo were handsome, you know, very strong young men. And um, I just, you know, expressed certain kind of obstacles that had happened in my journey, having, you know, a similar kind of, of life path as a warrior. 
if you're about growth and evolution, obviously at different phases, you're going to see things in a particular manner that will shift. If it doesn't shift, then you're on a more low frequency. You know, if you're on a high frequency, you're constantly evolving. So, you know, I shared with them some things where I was at that make me feel proud and um, excited about the possibilities of the future of the relationship because it's already on this very high frequency. And so, man, what a gracious place to be in, you know, high frequency because so much shit out here taking the energy down. When we meet spirits that are really uplifting, if you can't appreciate that, then it's to your disadvantage. Whatever the medium or materials, Nep turns dissonance and harmony into conduit, like free jazz cast into concrete, silk, and steel. It comes with a distinctive stylistic fingerprint and a relentless work ethic, as discussed in this conversation between fellow Constellation members, frequent collaborators, Mikoyo Ali Barnes and Nicholas Galanin. Some of the things that Nep has done and then some of the really finite things that he's done, that language that he's, I don't want to even, I don't want to say created, but that has been perhaps shared with him and that he's been a vessel for. But I mean, everything from the video work that he's done all the way up to the work that just showed in Detroit, like there is a definite aesthetic through line that, you know, as, as varied as the work is, that is just pronounced in the work, man, which is very rare in an art historical kind of way for considering how, you know, vast the different mediums might be i gotta say too the his work intersecting with music the way it does yep. is major but music and sound mm-hmm. is such a, a large part of aspects of the work that i see him continually building seeing this life this thread through it whether it's with ish cahill with i mean yeah yeah the recent stuff that he did with, uh, you know, the, like even the, the collaboration with Devin that, that's, you know, that kind of has resulted in this newer work and the work with the Huckabees. But also, man, that's the other thing I want to say, man, that dude is like probably one of the dopest DJs on mm. some like, if you get the luxury of ever catching a Napsidu set, like <laughs> that's special. Him and Todd together, special, you know, like dude is pretty much good at everything he does. Like really, really good at it. One would argue world-class. I don't know. I've also just had the opportunity to see him, like, in a completely different professional capacity. And dude is as kind of elegant about that as he is about the other work. And I think that's, you know, that's a term I'd use with the dude about the dude is, you know, there's an elegance to the guy, man. You know, I wouldn't disrespect what he does by referring to it as effortless because there is definitely, you know, a great amount of (laughs) His work is always working. Yeah, you know, and I mean, that's, and at times I know we all get concerned about him in regards to that, but like, it's elegant in its effort and graceful and gracious. Special cat, man. Nep was raised in the Scarborough area of eastern Toronto, nurtured, fed, and informed by the deeply diverse mix of cultures of his neighborhood. Scarborough's beautiful, man. O- only when I started moving around in the world, I saw, I saw how rich Scarborough really was. You know, because you take anything around you, you kind of end up taking it for granted. 
until you actually get perspective. And, you know, I grew up around obviously everything that was Punjabi, but then various um, Islamic communities, Sunni, Shia, Ismaili communities to Trinidadian, Guyanese, Sri Lankan, a lot of West African diaspora, a lot of folks from the islands and, you know, specifically uh, Jamaican, St. Lucian. Scarborough kind of shaped that world perspective in a real neighborhood way. You know, I saw the world that way. And when I stepped out into the world and traveling, so much was familiar just because of Scarborough. And then when I, when I would return to it, I then started to really understand like, and, and appreciate how much has always been around me in that sense. Neb's collaborator, the brilliant artist Rajni Pereira, too, hails from Scarborough. I have a theory that it's been built on top of like nuclear waste <laughs> and like things, because it's such a like parts of it are totally a wasteland. And I think that our physiology has been slightly altered oh, because of it. that. That's it. why we're so weird and awesome. I love it. Neb's curiosity and compulsion as an artist began early, but his explorations as a kid were often misunderstood. I was a really poor student, and I got into a lot of trouble. Some of that trouble was I was like sometimes obsessively drawing in, in books uh, that weren't meant for art class. And at one point, my all my teachers in public school got together and put like all their like books together like a like a goddamn lawyer team for uh, uh, meet the teacher night and so they put all their books together and evidenced that I was like maniacally sketching and not not learning or listening to anything in class and at that time the thing I was sketching was a lot of uh, like corpses and a lot of sort of acts of death and I wasn't morbid in my head and I was not, I was, I had no dark thoughts of that. But like, to me, it was like technically like the most challenging stuff to draw. So like I would get like magazines like Fangoria or like those old um, horror magazines. And I would always start to draw like, you know, the body or the corpses in these moves. Then they gathered all these and saw all this work. And, uh, it's just I became a real failure sort of of school and I started to drift away from like my parents having kind of any hope of me uh, bringing any value kind of to myself or to them in that. So that was a little tough. So music offered like a huge place for me to feel that like what I had going on inside was was OK, at least when the headphones were on. Nep pursued his own flavor of education in the library, watching old VHS tapes, a documentary about Duke Ellington, episodes of the Nat King Cole show, or of Soul, the highly influential series of the late 1960s and early 70s. Watching Soul, Nep was particularly impacted by the multi-instrumentalist Rasan Roland Kirk. Bright moments is like catching a rat that done ate Swiss cheese in Harlem. <laughs> Harlem is in uh, New York. 125th Street. Yeah, that's where it's at. <laughs> Bright moments. Bright. 
I remember Rasan specifically speaking in that interview and being like, you know, when, when he's asked, what instruments do you play? He goes through all the horns, goes through percussion as well. And then he says, you know, and then I play, um, I forget, I think it was a flute, a type of flute. He goes, I play that with my nose, you know, which Rasan would do. But he goes, you know, I stopped all that now because, you know, people, people don't understand what it is I'm doing with that. They think it's a, it's a joke, you know, where I'm actually, I can understand, I can understand other ideas and other presentations of, of feelings. And then he just continues on, you know, but I could see like this kind of a, I remember watching that young and I could feel his disappointment in humans kind of. You know, not understanding him. And also the ability to move on then, too. And so, yeah, those moments had a lot of impact on me, man. You were seeing soul as a young one. And you, you were getting this education self-directed at the library via music. Yeah. The library is really where it all happened for me. After high school, too, because, I, I, you know, I'm kind of didn't really graduate and it was like after the fact and uh, uh yeah so I was kind of, I was a fit you know to be honest I was like a, looked at as a failure or not not gonna really make it in the world as much and that that kind of has a large impact on you when you're young because you kind of get written off in a way and that's okay that's not no uh hurt or blamed of you know there's just misunderstanding sometimes of when we're young, but I guess what happened there is that I ended up having a relationship to uh, books and knowledge and transcripts, man, that actually provided me with an example of what education looks like. And when I was shown education in a way that was seductive, I ran towards it because it made me feel like there was a chance, you know? Frank Lloyd Wright was was a, a, a huge example. The way he shaped education around craft and total awareness towards one's surrounding and then being able to express narrative by that surrounding in the means of infrastructure and, 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 and residence and public space and, and private moments within facilities like that to me was the jazz you know what i mean like to be able to do that and then to look at someone's renderings like architectural renderings i i started to become obsessed by you know that was like i started to see the way cats were like slanging their ideas into a presentation of a building building was in his blood his father worked in a toronto metal shop starting as a sheet metal mechanic. Starting at the age of 13 and to this very day, Nep worked in the same metal shop as his dad, fashioning, among other things, precision components of medical and military equipment. It would naturally become part of his artistic practice, just another knife in his belt. Being around metal for that long has ended up being a gift in a way that it ended up being a real curriculum. It allowed me to start to understand the sophistication of the people in Rwanda whose smelting practices have shaped a lot of the world's technology, to be honest. And 
you know, they smelted in that way because they saw smelting as um, a metaphor of life, sex, romance, farming, cultural production, all those things made them adventurous in how they smelted. And what crystallized from that smelting ended up being knowledge transfer to other places. Some of that knowledge came down to Sri Lanka. You know, from Sri Lanka, it came back up to Punjab. From those same Rwandan smelters. The form that it took by the time it came to Punjab and how we used it was we had smelted steel to the point of crystallizing it into what they call Wootz steel. And that steel was superior in the field of battle. So even although the odds were greatly against us as Sikhs in terms of invading armies, we were able to survive without going through conversion, slavery, and disappearance. But it is our steel that saved uh, saved us. It is also our, our, our will in how we use that steel. But getting back to the technology of that, I'm grateful, you know, in the life that I've spent around metals to be able to understand that, acknowledge it, and to participate in, in some of the sharing of that. And it, it, it is very different than how I entered it, but it, it couldn't have happened any other way to the point of now where it sits in what some folks might see as the adornment that I, I make or um, the sculpture, the object uh, that I make, it comes from the, these uh, different types of uh, intuitions and, 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 and brilliance of people who were so hyperly aware of what was in their surrounding that they could will an object that could be charged with such you know, intention and function. Working in metal provided a portal to inspiration in all kinds of ways. The welder I used to work uh, beside had a long, a long form uh, radio transistor. Um, and it was like a military model. And then eventually, at one point, for my birthday, he gave me the radio. He was like, I know you're always listening to my radio, and I know you weld much better when you have my radio, so I want you to have it. And I was like, you know, over the moon, man. I took this radio home, and I just formed this, like, incredible relationship to to talk radio and to all these things, because I could catch stations in Buffalo and Detroit, especially, and beyond. But man, once I got locked to Detroit, I, I had everything I needed when I was under the covers, man. Because I used to be able to like go into the world. And I think kids had this relationship to radio back then, you know, because it also allowed uh, allowed me to feel like an adult for those hours. Maybe, maybe that was also like a point of like I was never being taken serious by adults. Maybe there was some, some leanings uh, into that. But man, at night, I would look so forward to like just finishing my dinner and like 
getting under the covers and putting on my radio. And I was also at the time able to catch uh, the electrifying mojo. And when I heard that, that, that kind of changed so much. You know, he was, he was such an incredible orator, uh, theatrical, cinematic. Just the voice alone. Close your eyes. Do not touch the dial for the next five hours for extraterrestrial forces are now entering the subliminal regions of your inner consciousness to bring about a brighter musical perspective, to broaden your musical horizon, to take you musically into dimensions that you've never ever been before, to relax you and to surround you with perfect musical love. He understood what, like, the potential of what could happen in, in, in selecting sound and context and placement. And he would, he would play with that. What he would put in front and behind a Parliament record made the Parliament record fucking crazy. Oof. Crazy. He made a P record sound like anything he wanted it to sound like. Though Nep was always an artist, as a young man, it was the soccer field that was the canvas he thought he'd be dedicating his life to. Much like the metalwork, that was a path he followed his father down. Yeah, my pops was uh, into soccer huge. It saved his life. He was dealing with being a troubled youth in England and then was sort of moved over to like a boys club and from there kind of shown sports as a way out or sports to also help organize within your community or to give give another type of action outside of all the trouble for a reason to hang out or be together. And so soccer always served him that example. And he's spent the rest of his life paying that back to 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 the youth, to kids being up here in Scarborough or back home in Punjab, uh, where we run a boxing school for girls and boys. Uh, it's really born out of that, how sport kind of saved my, my dad. Nep had dreams of playing soccer professionally, but his aspirations were cut short when he broke his leg. Not one to stay stagnant, he quickly shifted his energy towards other outlets and met fellow artist Todd Westendorp. Yeah, when we, when we met, it wasn't it, that dream I think had already died for him. And so I was maybe seeing him, you know, through him, you know, wanting to begin something different, you know, a different path. And so I can imagine there was an excitement and a, and a, a desire to find a different outlet of expression. Todd, who created the graphic identity of this very podcast, is a gifted designer and selector that met Nep in high school, finding common ground visual cues in library stacks and dusty record store bins that they combed. We were both just, you know, self-taught and, you know, just sharing ideas back and forth through emails and stuff. And, uh, you know, and that led to him, like, making a sculpture out of 
just like a, gra- a computer graphic I had made, like without even telling me. And one day he was like, oh, check this out. I was like, holy shit. You know, a couple of years later, we decided to, you know, uh, make some t-shirts and take our ideas of like fictional concerts for like Minnie Ripperton and Stevie Wonder and just making like fictional tour posters and stuff and turning those into t-shirts. This idea turned into a short-run shirt line called Equinox Forward. One of their shirt designs hit kind of close to home and anticipated a future connection of brotherhood. The Mizell one was inspired by the song, um, what was it? Yesterday is Cool off the Johnny Hammond Gambler's Life yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. I had this old um, Expo 67 book where it had all this really cool architecture from that year in Montreal and just kind of took the graphic and, you know, just like always a nod to the past. Like everything, you know, through the music we listened to was always a nod to, you know, the music of the past that influenced us. So taking a look at old architecture and then connecting it to the music and that song title specifically, you know, I thought it was creating a visual that sort of bridged the two together and uh, reminding people of, you know, who either didn't know about the Mizell brothers or uh, who did know about the, the music and, and just, you know, connecting it to a visual. Man, we made a shirt about your dad. Ain't that a thing? Yeah, man. I remember that was like one of our earliest kind of phone conversations. You told me that and I was like, hold on. I'm like looking at my phone. I was like, is something right <laughs> here? Nah, 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 nah. Yo, man, your pops, man, was, you know, so much. Just that the work they'd done, the connectors they were and and how they invigorated you know, entire generations after them to understand not just the music they made, but what came before that and after that. There's only a few set of individuals that do that specific type of uh, connecting, which is why they're, they're more relevant probably now or have always continued to be. And there's like every five years, there's a new crop of listeners or resurgence towards your dad and your uncle and the family. You know, that just, it's captivating, man. Yesterday was cool. Oh, and heaven was the room. Golden tears of time still perfume in my mind. As fine as precious jewels. The thing that keeps artists relevant and captivating throughout their careers and fresh at every age is an insistence to keep learning, to never stay stagnant. Cahil El-Zabar notes this quality in both Nep and Ish. What's happening in terms of his rhythm and how it's gravitating community uh, is, is quite special, but it's the reason that Ish 
was this really great basketball player mm. and was strong enough to go to his attraction, which was the art, and that he studied the business because of his natural instinct of independence in order to then get, you know, to the music, then to win a Grammy and not be intimidated to become a part of the popular fodder. And what I'm saying about Ish is there are multiple textures in the relationship of his ability to create art. And from that, we all build community. And we're blessed where ego doesn't block our ability to trust so that that energy grows with others. With all the various methods, perspectives, and lessons he'd found through his self-determined education, he began to see the thing that connected them all, reflected in his work in metal and textile. Welding specifically allowed me to start seeing things in dimension. I was an av like I was constantly sketching all at all times. <laughs> um, <laughs> oftentimes not in the right places, but I was sketching like a madman uh, from most of my youth. But welding allowed me to see how something could take place with dimension. And if you paid attention to seam, then so much was possible. And the science of, of, of seams, you know, lands you into so many worlds. If you start to pay attention to seams, uh, you can start to get yourself through, you know, an idea in fashion and adornment. Seams have so much information to execute seams, there is practice, there is needing to be around uh, mastery sometimes to understand how it's done or the possibility of how it's done. You know, and I, I think coming up, I encountered some of that when I would look, you know, look to Japan and look to Belgium and see the, you know, what they call the Antwerp Six or in Japan, Isimiyaki, Yoji Yamamoto. I started to see not just how brilliant their silhouettes, shapes, construction, deconstruction was. I started to then see how much attention they paid to the way they presented their ideas and how imaginative that was. And sometimes not knowing where the magic lies. Was it in the presentation? Was it in the narrative? Or was it in the stitch? I was so magnetized by, by, by what I saw. But it came back to seams and the possibility that is in seams. And if you pay attention enough to the history of what people have done with seams, I think you can start to slowly imagining then the possibility of what else can be done. Nep continued to follow possibilities from one medium to another and even to his broader work within the Black Constellation. We'll explore that more after a short break.
Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. I can't recall the first time that I met Nep Sidhu, but I do know that in meeting him, it felt like I had known him for a long time before. And I've always felt really connected to him in that way. Our families are similar in the way that we talk about the protection of women, that we talk about the protection of our sacred scripts, and in the way that we talk about our work. I've Got to work alongside him in curating programming for Your Feast Has Ended, one of the best art shows, one of the best exhibitions that has ever shown in Seattle, ever. That exhibition Moni is speaking on, curated by Mekoya Ali Barnes at the Fry Museum, would be a pivotal moment for the constellation, a crucible that forged new ideas and conversations made manifest. Coyle was in discussions already and had things in the air had done things prior. At that point, at various places, in various ways, in and outside of Seattle, but in this particular instance, was starting to form a plan for an exhibition that would be uh, himself, Nicholas Glennon, and me. You know, MAB, man, he picked two wild-ass Indians. McCoyo, having opened up the conversation with the Fry, saw an opportunity for connection. I thought, well, I could say, I would do this, this, and this. Or I could say, we would do such, such, and such. And I chose we over I, and it was unquestionably going to be a more robust experience with all those parties involved. You know, invitation is like the elixir here. It is the conduit. He saw, you know me, he saw a vision and he saw things in my practice. I hadn't been really in shows, definitely not in in a museum show, but none of that, none of that mattered in in what McCoy was seeing. I'm thankful to, to what McCoy feels, but probably more so how he interprets, you know? Nicholas and Mekoyo speak to the unique dynamic of collaboration with NEP. It's not a project. It's not a one-time thing. It's like a it's like a conversation. Yeah. That just, that's been picked up, gets set down, gets carried, it gets moved. It's and it's always been like that. No, I think that's another thing. That that that's really I think this kind of notion that collaboration, like that's really earnest with just mm. so- about you know what I mean these kind of specific to the project at hand is like you know it has to be more than just that it has to be conversations that are you know sometimes kind of cliffhanger and sometimes are very specific and targeted too though but you know and sometimes kind of seem non sequitorial too right like 
and like are like informed by sometimes the things that are unsaid, right? Like the spaces Always. between between the, the words and like what's shared. I've, I've never had collaborations like that in this space. <clears throat> you know, I collaborate heavily musically, and that's a whole other process. Sure. But but in the visual art world and in, in building and making, we're we're engaging in these conversations and. They pass through time. They pass through borders. They pass through like experiences of you know many things, and mm. all always met with care. With net. care, yeah, that's a good. That's yep, handled with care. That's a that's a you know. <laughs> Mab and Nep would collaborate on the short film Black Hole, a family affair that features Mekoyo's uncle Wayne and some of Nep's Punjabi family. And that goes back to the idea of invitation, you know, that Mekoyo invited me into into that and into his into into the family, and that has turned into these other relationships. And so, when we made Black Hole, it was an interpretation of of that too, very much so. I think that's why we're able to search the way we do when we, when we make work like that, and make a film that is centered around search being a home, search not being always just a middle place or or an in between, where when you're you know with all these said individuals that have been searching all their life, I think that's important to. Acknowledge because search sometimes can feel very like lonely. You know, when we do it for long periods of time, it can feel unhealthy. But when you find others that are searching, like you are, just for proximity, you know, not to not to resolve and not to solve any one thing, but just searching because that's. That's where it's at. That's where it's formless. That's where it's at all times shifting. At all times. That's why, like the the genre sh- shit and like the stopping to classify and to call it one thing or the other usually ends up being an attempt to try to hold something still that is constantly in movement by nature and. When you capture a set of individuals that kind of understand that and that do that thing without needing to speak on it and do it boundlessly through craft, through care, through through words, through percussion, it's it's, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. You know, we we oftentimes don't stop to call it any names, but you know, since they stopped and called this the um, Black Constellation, you know, it's. It's, it's a lot to be uh, summed up into it, you know? We talk about Continuum a lot in this series. That happens to be the title of a series of stunning works Nep created that I first saw during Feast. I just remember falling into um, your Continuum series. And um, it was just so uh, hugely compelling to me. Yeah, Continuum was like, you know, as a Sikh, it's, I feel it's more like a sound, you know, like a melody, because we believe in 
unbroken melody. We be, like ikumkar to us is this idea of the sound before the sound, which then registers into what some might call the un, an unstruck sound. Being able to hear unstruck sounds, it's very possible. Being able to make unstruck sounds is impossible. So it's the idea uh, of a one-handed clap, say. You can't make a sound with a one-handed clap. But there are frequencies and some tenures and some uh, capacities that some, well, all have, but some can come into awareness of that allow them to hear these unstruck melodies, unstruck sounds. Continuum, I think, is, is sits in that sort of realm because it's not so tangible, you know? And sometimes when things aren't so tangible in a place that seeks to consume in a certain way, in the ideas that were in the feast, I think, I think continuum is, is a noble sound. It didn't co-sign the um, proclivities of the marketplace, you know, because like it didn't it didn't lie back and relax in like in the dungeon with the pigs. For all these things, it, some say it had died, but a lot of people like welcomed that death for quite a while. And if we understand that the, the, the money lenders of, of, of that situation, of that marketplace, some of them have never ever known the difference between, you know, what they say, uh, the difference between an auction and an auction block, you know, between a temple and, and whatever else that they want to sell. They've never known that there's an identity to anything other than that of like a hustle, a shuck, a scam, a mascotting, you know, and if you listen to them long enough, you'll, you'll be, you'll get into that mode where everything really is up for sale at a point, you know, where, where there's no recognition, there's no um, sort of difference between the distance of the sacred and the profane. So I guess continuum here ends up being a melody that comes that people have always been producing and listening to outside of the realm of institutions and marketplaces. So it was beautiful to hear that there was these brothers and sisters that were willing to do something about raising that sound, not just in response of the places that couldn't hear it, as it wasn't about that or them. It was, <clears throat> it was about something that always was even though the title originally being Oye Parasites here, you know, the feast has ended. The show, the show wasn't uh, about the said parasites at all. You know, they were, I, you know, they, there was a part they played, you know, that perhaps needed to be raised, but it wasn't central to the show at all. Nep's culture and faith inform his works, 
And in the case of his show, Medicine for a Nightmare, They Called, We Responded, it engaged with a deeply tragic and recent chapter of his cultural history, the Sikh genocide set off by India's 1984 attack on their golden temple. Medicine for a Nightmare, you know, it was a very hyperly intentional show. Yeah. I was really uh, looking towards facilitating art exhibition in the distribution of truth and ideas. You know, where our, where press has been completely manufactured, where trying to bring up these truths in, say, the settings of the Gurdwara, the temple, and to amongst the community, you're, you run into a case of either preaching to the converted or a means in which that is quite disengaging and that also may just bring up trauma rather than truths. And looking at that, I wanted to go towards art exhibition to disrupt those narratives and to be able to give a space that allowed conversation, that allowed multiplicity in the experiences of such violence and genocide. But I knew in doing that, because of the amount of false misrepresentation that are around the event, specifically in 1984, that there would be a lot of, uh, there would be, not a lot, but there, there was going to be, a, you know, controversy around what politics I, I had, and what I was putting out, and what responsibility I had towards the ideas. And, it, and, and that show then put the institution in a tough position because they then saw some of the Indian diaspora come around to start to vilify the show to not look at the work and not pay attention to what the work is and what I'm saying, but rather to project what they think my politics are, which was all game too, to me, because that was important if people were listening to that criticism to see that this belongs to a type of people and a type of projection that has always happened to us as Sikhs where we present an anti-state narrative based in truth, we get lauded with being separatists and terrorists. And it's interesting because I've done this, I've, I've paid attention long enough to also know that I'm not interested in starting the conversation there anymore. And because I wasn't interested in that, and I wasn't willing to participate in performing my politics that would allow people to feel safe or to feel like I'm, um, I'm representing like all voices in all things. It put the institution in a hard place, but I wasn't willing to, to budge. That's not what I came to do. The conversations that resulted from Nep's symbolic interrogation of this tragedy, a painful, raw wound that had been buried, were accordingly not always pretty, but called for. I wanted to make sure it stayed in the front of the discussion 
of what was happening around the show because that that's where the work was that's the actual actually where the work was it wasn't what people were looking at in the in the on the walls and building not for me it was that that rigor that dialogue and so that's what medicine for a nightmare really represented rajni pereira was at that show something very interesting happened where the work was becoming vilified it was work that made light and peace out of a very dark time in the history of Punjab. People don't like it when <clears throat> we do that sometimes. They want to sit in the trauma longer. You know the way that when you feel sad, you listen to sad songs. But he made what he did with that that those events. Yeah. in making work about it was to not make light of it i don't mean it in that way it's it's um you mean you mean light like, it's doing i he did it's kind of like aikido with mm. energy where it's like you can keep the energy that's surrounding an event you know in this place that it's dark it's sad it's violent and angry or you can like take it with your hand and you turn it you know what i'm saying Absolutely. you turn it with your body in another way and then and then you can make energy that's healing it's peaceful it provides some kind of finality or closure and it can bring it can bring this population from a place of despair and and anger and sadness and a feeling of being traumatized into a situation where they're they're feeling a little bit better and i think that's you know his own gratefulness you know it kind of like goes into transfers to the viewer and his own sense of kind of peace that he projects kind of transfers <clears throat> into the viewer and it's like that. It's like a tra it's like an energy conversion. You know, that he that he can do with something that would be otherwise looked at as as a very very hard time in in Sikh history. It won't focus on on stagnating a situation, stagnating energy or a, or a part of culture or a topic. It's like uh, uh, this great sort of craftsmanship. It's like energy craftsmanship. This fearlessness is a quality both shared and recognized by the constellation, as noted by Mikoyo and Nick. He's just kind of, I mean, yeah, and he's just <laughs> decidedly, I mean, I think that's true for both of you, of you guys, though. Nikki is just decidedly unafraid of welcoming what you know may be very polarizing conversations, but necessary ones, you know? Mm, yeah, and Nepal say it, man. Yeah. He, he doesn't say it, he sings it. Poetically. Ah. Not somebody who's having a deeper conversation with his words, his work, his demonstration, his practice, his community he keeps, all of it. Sneaking in and out of thought, leaving emotional trip caught up. Trump the funk, the flare. Well 
the calculations all point to a connection in space. Like there has to be celebration, man, in what uh, we or I do, even 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 when dealing with things that have uh, hefty trauma and and pain and violence. Like if it don't got celebration in it somehow, it's it's unnat it's 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 not natural to me. That understanding comes from a real commitment to care when it comes to the community that holds up Nep in his works. It manifests in a dedication to making sure that joy, uninterrupted and spiritually resonant with the intention, is always part of the process. We deal with painful things, but through that, our folks have always found revelry, dance, food, laughter to be what brings us together. Especially with our collaborations, we're very ambitious, but we also know like we'll work really hard and then we'll, we can relax. And that's where things like travel and taking a trip come in yeah right because it's not like we're not there like oh you know it's not like it's when we say workation we're at, we're able to do it yeah and also enjoy ourselves so that's like it's such a it's just so joyful like it's just like really centering centering joy as much as as possible because like man life is hard enough yeah. you know like if we can't enjoy like the fruits of our labor forget it yeah. i feel like you know he'd probably say the same thing like you know, you gotta, you know, like yourself too, as much as you like your work. I love that you outlined the joy that's part of the process. I remember the first yeah. time I came to Toronto, meeting you out there, and it was just like, there's the museum, and there's thinking about the work, and then there's yeah. after, and, and, and looking for a place to dance, and to laugh, and to eat, and that was such an important part of it, and it was just... Wow. That's why, like, everything is golden when I think about Toronto because of you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that, you know, you know, traveling around the world and going to other places in search of that really, really helps us. Because unfortunately in Toronto, those places where you can go and laugh and chill are dwindling in number. Yeah. So, like, we're now finding ourselves being like, yo, what do we do? do where can we take our friends who are in town like oh it's closed oh man energy energy in toronto is like it needs a major overhaul it's quite a financially driven city and hub and as a result culture takes a huge hit so you know it's not sometimes we're working hard larry to find you guys like the nice place to go oh, and, I know, I know. And, and enjoy and unwind together <clears throat> because i think that's a part of our kind of work culture that we want to share because it's possible to to enjoy yourself and be together with work and your people in other ways other than making culture all the time making culture is very hard you know we're really up against it especially as people of color who are like in kinship with one another we don't have always have an easy go of it and sometimes we're really up against it so we need to have fun together and we need to unwind together and treat ourselves and enjoy a good an opulent life whatever that means it doesn't have to be you know your life is dripping in gold trims and shit like that yeah. it can it can just be like you know having this luxury of relaxation and one another's company yeah you know love and, and laughter all that is opulence and luxury and and i see how hard that y'all do work whenever it's time to like find a place to, to boogie there's always so much forethought and it's like hey this place is cool i'm just like hey man whatever i'm i'm with y'all it's great but i just see it 
you know, and, and, and yeah, it gets harder every place, I think, to find these places. Everything you're saying about I Toronto, know, I know. it reminds me of Seattle. We just got to build like, you know, big, <clears throat> awesome communes. Yes. That's the, that's what we have to do. There's no, we can't rely on these cities. These cities are owned by like whites, yes. you know, they don't give a shit. They want to like take what we do and. And then, like, make some, make it whack, and then make money off of it, profit and, off of it. So it's it's hard everywhere, yeah, for sure. And disinvite um, us maybe, from the party. Maybe we're all waiting on on a, uh, you know, on on a renaissance of some kind. doesn't leave his works and the spirit therein to be contextualized and marooned amongst art scene elites who have no cultural frame of reference, he builds these spaces with intentionality. So much of his work is not just in the making, but in the outreach to his community, to the audience he's designed to work for. He brings his people through the door in the most literal sense. He takes the time for these communities that should be exposed to this work and have access to this work, he takes the time. Yes. He spends time on them to understand. So it's full of people from Scar all over the place, but like it was full of of immigrants. It's full of people, our peoples in there. His generosity when it comes to sharing those spaces like, you know, and 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 the work like you know, wanting to collaborate with people, you know, that is something that is core to him and his family. It's just the most generous people I have ever met in my life. And, and I wouldn't be the only one to say that. It's a big part of the, the work, the communing. Because it's the communing that gave life to so much of these words, right? And it's not an idea of paying it back. It's not... A, I, I get that stuff. I don't think of it like that. It's just a natural... It's a natural environment to how the work is getting made. So for it not for it not to play back into that, it just would feel um, not complete, not whole. Nep's artistic drive is a beautiful transmission of the culture that created him. One of service, of community, of commitment to progression and deep truths. When I reached out to interview Nep for this episode, or an episode, if you like, we started off reflecting about our recent time in the D, particularly the night out we had dancing to the transcendent, genre-obliterating sounds of the legendary Detroit DJ producer Theo Parrish. I think I was telling you, you know, Theo was probably one of the first people that really changed my DNA, man, of listening and, like, introduced sort of the potentials of, of sound and, like, attitude in in the music, you know, what he's doing with being able to kill the bass, treble and mid, but, but doing it through, through feeling and doing it through really knowing the, the record. And it was like, um, it was Summer Soft, you know, by Stevie Wonder. Summer Soft makes you up with 
I heard that song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seven, seven thousand and fifty-eight times. You know what I mean? But what, when he played it on that system, it was just like summer's gone, taken with her. Summer's play, and she's gone. Yo, like, but inside out, like it sounded like, it sounded like, it sounded like, like, like an instrumental they left off of bulletproof wallets. Wow. Like it was the most gangster as fuck thing, man. And Stevie underneath it all still sing, but it was the most, poof, just opened up, opened up, man, all the possibilities in the song, man, you know? All feeling, you know what I mean? All feeling though. Yeah. What a what what a mode what a style of oration though, you know what I mean? Like what a yeah. what a thing to do to pack 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 crates like that for the night to try to tell a story. Not in a like listen to me, I got something to say, but like let's try to do something together tonight. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like I got an idea, you know, I hope you guys are with it. Let me just try to do this with y'all. And then when it's not working, like the, you know, the, the, the best ones will also like understand that and then adapt, you know, and pivot. But, but watching all that is the act of it is, is beautiful, man. It's a beautiful thing to be. It's just, I know I get it. Like all the, you know, the robots and like all the, the IG shit and stuff, um, shits on that. But like it, it, it can't hold a flame to the tradition. Not at all. To the cats, to nah, it ain't got a chance, man. Cause, cause look, man, when the lights are out, you know what I mean. When the lights are out, there ain't no spotlight at where the cat's playing. You can't even tell the direction he or she is coming from. Like you can't tell anyone nothing. You know, if that if that person's doing, you know what what they what they should be and want to be doing. There's, yeah, it's beautiful to witness that. In the beginning, it was the sound. The sound was the sound was the Next time on Fresh Off the Spaceship, we look at the work of the brilliant Central District MC, Porter Ray. The culture that I'm a part of and that I love and hold so dear to me. Um, I want to garner more respect for the culture and for the art form. I want to continue to have a space to represent my culture, my art form, my neighborhood, my family, my people. I want to create a scene in Seattle that's bubbling. Twisting up sticky for niggas who ain't with me. I puss it in the air, put on a fresh pair of grippies. Hope you got yours, yo, I got mines with me. Cause niggas catching bullets through they 59 50.
This episode of Fresh Off the Spaceship was written, produced, and edited by Martin Douglas, Janice Headley, Dusty Henry, Isabel Khalili, and myself, Larry Mizell Jr. Audio was produced and mastered by Julian Martlew, with additional audio editing by Janice Headley. We want to thank Sub Pop Records and all the members of the Constellation for giving us permission to include their music in this episode. We'd also like to thank our volunteers, Elena Clark and Natalie Vinn, for their work transcribing interviews. Money, 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 and we want to thank you, money, the listener. Money, My name is Isabel Kelly. I'm one of the folks who's been working on this podcast, and I'm here to remind you that KEXP is listener-funded. That means that the freedom we have to pursue projects like this podcast comes completely from the support of our community. And if you're here with us now, you're part of that community. So if you've enjoyed what you've heard so far and want to support the show, you can go to kexp.org slash fresh. A one-time gift of $35 can make a huge difference. Or if you prefer to show your support in a different way, it would mean a lot to us if you shared this podcast with someone you think might enjoy it. And of course, leaving a rating, a review really helps other people find the podcast. So thanks again, and hope you can join us on the next episode to learn more about the artists of the Black Constellation.